Praise the Lord, Sachin, for all the facility that the Lord has given us, sailing through the storm. Thank you, Sister Ramya, for leading us and uh, songs of faith, songs that will hold us through the storm, songs that will speak strength uh, in times like these. May God's uh, name be glorified. Uh, today, um, I would like to speak on a topic that, that I felt uh, the Lord uh, put in my heart you know, uh, probably last week, and it's just a line, then I was just uh, ruminating on that and thinking about it and um, and uh, saying, Lord, what do you, what do you want us and, and, and how should we go through this season? And uh, I pray it'll bless our heart and as we continue with the theme of what the Lord has given to us in the days to come, we will take root, we will bud and blossom, and we will fill the earth. There is, in, you know, in, in the eyes of our humankind, we will always have a thought, what is this? Lord, will the days come when we will see your promises being fulfilled? I pray that we as a church, we've held on for a decade now. We are in a second decade. There are things that God has promised to us as a church. We got to be people of faith to believe. You know, Ninevites believed and they rewrote the history. Jesus told the, the, the rulers, ruler himself, your daughter is not dead, just believe. The church believed and they saw doors open in places that they have never ever been. And I pray that we as a church, we will hold on and believe these days that the days are going to come and we will be those who will fill the earth. God will do unique things, unusual things. And I pray that uh, that will be our strength today. Don't give up on God anytime. He is the anchor for our souls. He's the lover of your soul. Never give up on the promises of God. And if you're going to look at the circumstances around, we will be like Peter. And we will measure the wind and the wave. We will go on to this uh, meteorological report and try to write the weather report. We will talk all the logic. But there is the wisdom of God that transcends humankind. No wonder Paul begins to say, even the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of this world. And I pray that our affections and our mind will be tuned to him. For this morning, I'm going to share the slide. Give me a minute, please. Yes. The thought is behind the veil. Behind the veil. <laughs> and this is, this is the word that came uh, in my heart and it was buried there. And I said, Lord, you've got something uh, for us and something for us this season, for our church and for us as individuals. And there is, uh, this is the feature of God that's so unique. Uh, if you can see this picture, it's, it's, it's quite uh, staggering uh, that the priest could perform at the holy place and behind the veil, you know, the picture of the, of the tabernacle. I don't know why is it that God not even once came out of the veil to give a show of himself in the Old Testament. Moses would go begging and say, show me your glory. And God somehow desists and says, no, only you can see my back. And when the psalmist would write worship songs, he says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? It takes effort to ascend the hill of the Lord. When Moses writes Psalm 91, he says, 
Can you come to the secret place and will you abide in the shadow of the Almighty, not with the Almighty? Somewhere God is behind the veil and the beckoning of God and the calling of God is to come behind the veil. There's a mystery behind the veil. And uh, that's the place God is calling us. So things are getting shut down on the outside. And I pray even as, 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 as just the opening remarks that pastor was giving today, to be honest and genuine and hungry for God, it takes place behind the veil. And I've, I've got three narratives for us to share, but, but I want to start off with this, this word. Point number one about our Lord Jesus Christ, veiled in flesh. If you're a person with the chat box and you, you can type a little faster, let me give you a small quiz. Can you think of a Christmas hymn where these words are mentioned? And can you type it down, please? Let me see who can get it out. A Christmas hymn where you have this word veiled in flesh. Christmas is on the way another five, six months. Yeah. Anybody? I'm just looking at the chat box. It's empty right now. Anybody? Nobody. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate, hak the hair. We got it. Hail the incarnate deity. Jesus came veiled. Did you know that? And uh, if, if uh, you've been uh, observing the song list this morning as Sister Ramya was leading us, I just made a note of that. In Christ alone, who... In Christ alone, who took on flesh. The second line is, I mean, that's, that, that's a, quite a hymn to sing in. Almost, I mean, there's no much repetition on that, in that. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe. Fullness of God. Fullness of God in a babe. And then the hymn writer says, helpless babe. Jesus was veiled in the flesh. This is, this is the mystery of God. God is coming down, but God is not unveiled there his flesh is a cloak his flesh is a curtain his flesh restricts him yet he's 100 god and 100 man let me take upon jesus and i just want to go ahead and talk about those those moments where the first 30 years of jesus christ is all locked up in one verse can you imagine three and a half years of jesus ministry you've got four gospels and you have so many, so many things that get quoted again in, in, in the past and again in the future of the narratives of the letters of Paul. But all of Jesus' earthly life, pretty much, can you say 90% of it is locked up in one verse. Why are you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? I mean, look at the father's house in the Old Testament. He was behind the veil. And Jesus for the first 30 years was behind the veil. In the presence of the father. And I'm praying that there are moments come in our life before God can take us. Before we can bud and blossom and fill. There is a moment that you need to go behind the veil beneath the earth and take roots. 
There is no substitute for that. If you want to climb the greatness in the way God designs for us, there are moments we need to go behind the veil. There is no bypass road. There is no highway. There is no way that we can just get onto the top by climbing on the ways of the world. We need to know how to relish and cherish him behind the veil. That's the calling that I would like to pre present to us this morning. 30 years Jesus was in the father's house. 30 years. What did you do there? It's in my father's house. He, he, look at the words that I had to be. Another translation says, don't you know that I must be? It's an imperative that I've come in the veil. You see, Jesus, let me go to this slide to say, how, much, how many, uh, let's put it down. I'm just using a pen uh, right now. Let's see if I can do a little bit of annotation here. Um, Please excuse me, I'm just learning to write now. Now we have the first 30 years of Jesus. And you have this three and a half years of ministry. How many miracles did Jesus do in the first 30 years? Anybody? We have no recorded miracles. How many preachings? How many people did Jesus raise from the dead? How many sermons have been recorded? No. How many times he drove the, the demons out? Messages, miracles, teachings. How many disciples? How many followers? Nothing. What was Jesus' silent years all about? Behind the veil. It seems to be that God would take his his, his favorites, God would take his church, God would take his people. Men and women have gone to the school called Behind the Veil before, before God can bring you out and use you. Some of you are waiting when there will be a breakthrough. Some of you are waiting when will God use me. Some of you are waiting what about my ministry, my calling, my family, what about them? God takes us through this place called Behind the Veil. Another feature about God, he doesn't come out of the veil to show himself off as I said. And this is the place Jesus was. And I want to tell you in small ways, probably with the limited that time that we have, what is the reward of Jesus being? Nothing he did. And he's been waiting. Can you see? He's in the flesh. He's in the flesh. He has to go through all the timeline and stages from childhood to being an adult and a young adult. And to be waiting, where? In the Father's house. Behind the veil. Think with me. This is imaginary, but, but somewhere it, it, it's between the lines of the passages that we have. After all that Jesus waited for, just, just praying to the Father and saying, Father, you called me to be the Savior of the world. 700 years prior to my coming, Isaiah prophesied about me. Lord, there are so many things you want me to do, but I'm catching up on age. I waited in your presence, in your house for 30 years. Daddy, when do you want me to go? Dad, at age 20, daddy would say, no, hold on. Daddy, today is my 22nd birthday. Do you want me to start ministry? When was Jesus the holy, fully anointed one? Right from birth. 
His name was Messiah, the anointed one. He did not have, the anointing in Jesus' life was not progressive. He was fully anointed when Mary received the prophecy in Luke chapter 1. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The child to be born will be called the Son of the Most High. And Jesus was fully anointed then, but he had to wait behind the veil. I pray that you will not miss that school in your Christian life. There is no way we can do the things that today's world is throwing at us. At 25th birthday, Jesus said, Lord, it's too much. I've been waiting with you, Daddy. I've seen you. I've learned the scriptures. I've gone through it over and over again. I've been to the synagogue. I've been discussing with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Daddy, is it ready and my time to go and do ministry? Dad would say, hold on, my son. Be behind the veil. Did you know that Jesus had to learn obedience from the day he was born? Learn obedience. Did you know that he had to learn? Oh my goodness, Jesus learning. He was the word from the beginning, but he had to learn obedience. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8. Learn obedience. What do you mean by obedience? Obedience is to submit your will. Submit your will to the will of the Father. If you want to be a person of the kingdom, this is the criteria. If you want to be used by God, God is waiting for you to align for his kingdom to come through you. He's waiting for one man. No wonder every time here and there you have in the Bible, the Lord seeking, the Lord sought after a man. The Lord went behind the man. The Lord seeks those who worship so that they can align himself so that his kingdom will come. Prayer is about aligning yourself to his kingdom come. If we want all of God, we got to lay all of ourselves so that he will have the highest manifestation and expression of the kingdom through us. And therefore, his timeline and his ways and his operations are totally different. And we need to understand that life of Jesus is the classic example. Now at age 30, son of God, son of man, fully anointed Messiah, all the credentials are across his name. And daddy says, your time has come, my son. Just imagine the first year of ministry, Jesus graduated from the school and going to the place of ministry. And daddy says, go to River Jordan. Let's go to that place, to River Jordan. He says, you've got to be baptized. I just want to add my thoughts here and, and, and our frail humanity to think unlike what Jesus thought. Probably if one of us were there, if I were there, I would say, Okay, Lord, you want, I waited 30 years. I'm full of anointing. Where is the meeting? Where is the preaching? What, what, at what time you want me to deliver? At what time you want me to take on? At what time you want me to get the disciples? Lord, I've come to establish your kingdom. What? And daddy says, go to River Jordan. Okay, father, this is the first year of ministry. Mind you, just imagine Jesus taking all the bags and, and getting ready. And this is my first day. He's going to clock so many hours and bring glory to the Father. And Father says, go to River Jordan and be baptized. By the way, who was there at the river? There was John the Baptist. And what is the baptism that he's giving? He's not giving a baptism of certificates, a baptism that would uh, make him prominent, a baptism that will put him on the TV show, a baptism that will take him on the national television. No, this is called the baptism of repentance. 
So if you say baptism of repentance, that means who are there on the line? Sinners are on the line. And daddy says on day one of the ministry, my son, Magane, go and stand in the line of the sinners. Is that what you want me to do after 30 years of waiting behind the veil? On the day one, you want me to stand on that line? What will people think about me? What about my reputation? What about my status quo? I am Jesus, the son of God. You see how our earthly mind is. But Jesus got trained to be behind the veil. Jesus was in flesh. He is very God but veiled in flesh. The whole deity of Jesus. The glory of Jesus. The God incarnate by him. Everything is sustaining. And he is veiled. Look at the humility of Jesus. I am put to shame. He's standing on the line of the sinners with not even a sin in his heart. There was no guile. Just imagine, just imagine the people there. Oh, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Mary, are you also in the line of sinners? I wonder what he did last night three years ago. Did he cheat? Did he womanize? Was he a thief? Did he fall short of the commands of Moses? Why is he that he's standing in the line? But Jesus stood. That's the first year of ministry. He stood in the line. Nobody knew about him. He walked in in obedience. In obedience. He was, that's what he was learning. In obedience behind the veil. Some of the greatest lessons God will teach us behind the veil is nothing but obedience. So that your will will be subjugated under God's will. That's the kind of person God is seeking. Those who say not my will but your will be done. That's when the kingdom flows. Right at the tank. Jesus is baptized. At the moment of the baptism. The Bible says. At that moment, heavens opened. At that moment. At the right moment when people had so many 101 opinions about Jesus. At that moment when Jesus was waiting behind the veil. At the moment when Jesus stepped into doing what the Father wanted him. Heaven opened and the Spirit of God descended like a dove. Can you imagine this? This is, this is a little tangent here. But look at, look at where the Spirit of God is attracted to. The kind of person that the Spirit of God embraces. The kind of person that the Spirit of God runs swiftly like a dove is a person of humility. You see, here you have the triune God. You have the mention of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But I, I, just look at where the Holy Spirit of God goes. More than you calling and beckoning, God is attracted. Isaiah 66, 2. This is the one I esteem. He who is contrite. <laughs> And humble in heart with a broken spirit. And he who trembles at my word. I esteem. You see. Attracted to people. If you want to be a person. A man or woman. A boy or a girl. A believer. A saint. A disciple. And if you want to be someone. Who wants to host God. God is looking for somebody. To host him. And the kind of person that God is looking for. Is someone who can be humble. 
behind the veil. The Spirit of God lights on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, he did that for the first time in 30 years. For the first time in 30 years, the father comes out publicly. You know you wait behind the veil and God knows when to lift you up. There is a moment, there's a timeline in God's agenda when he will lift you up. But till that time, be behind the veil. This is a word for somebody this morning. You're waiting for a miracle. You're waiting for a breakthrough. You're waiting for your season. You're waiting when God, the promises will come in my life. Just be a little bit behind the veil and the voice will open. Did you know that? The father's voice came that day. This is my son. You don't have to go with the visiting carts, placards. You don't have to wear badges around you. You don't have to go and, 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 and stick your carts to everyone. He knows how to speak for you. Your actions will open up heaven. I'm coming to that in the, the next slide. This is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. But I want to tell you how many, how many of the actions did Jesus do for God to say, Shabash. Most of the time when we look at our children, they need to get good marks. They need to be first in the class. They need to bag all the prizes. And then we say, this is my son. Mera beta na. You know, he stood this, he stood that. We, 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 we go behind the doing part. But can I tell you something? What opened up heaven? Jesus has not even done, commenced his ministry. There was no applause of people. The sick did not rally behind him to be touched and even embraced by his shadow. There was no testimony. But how come this one line at the commencement of Jesus' ministry. That shook the whole community there. Everyone standing at River Jordan with heard that thundering voice. Heaven backed up this man, this God who was behind the veil. This is my son whom I love. It's not the abundance of activity that attracts the attention of God. It is the condition of your heart. You don't have to beg God to speak for you. The time is coming when heaven will open over your life. This is my son whom I love. Did you know that father lavished his love on the son right at the act of obedience, not at the act of preaching? Obedience opened up heaven. The only commandment for children in the Bible is children obey your parents and you'll have long life. There's nothing more. Everything is stuck in the word obedience. All that the Israelites had to do with the Ten Commandments is obey. Jesus said the highest expression of love is obedience. If you love me, you will not dance over me. You will not just sing over me. You will not just read Bible 25 times. You will not just go around preaching. No, if you love me, the primary, primary pathway of expressing love to God is obedience. Yes, Lord. I will do, Lord. I humble myself, Lord. I listen to your word, Lord. I set aside obedience. Every time you obey, you put yourself in a lower position. 
you take the position of a slave you take the position of a subordinate you do not just stick your head out obedience gives you that lowliness where jesus himself said i am lowly and meek you know what is meekness meekness is the power to refrain you have the power you have the power to smash everybody but you won't do it you have the power to 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 slice pilot down with your words but you will not do it you have the power to command 12 legions to come down and smash every human kind but you will not do it that is jesus meekness this is my son whom i am pleased i put it down in three different translations let's see that let's see that how the lord pours out his love this is my son whom i love he brings me great joy he's the delight of my life and i'm very pleased with him what did the father see what did the father see in his son 30 years what did the father see activities what did the father see and be impressed he saw the life of his son and i made a put this down here let me see if we can living comes before doing this is what we learn behind the veil the first lesson we learn behind the veil is that living comes before doing did you know that your life can open up heaven did you know that your lifestyle impresses god much more than our activities do you know what you do in the secret place is observed so carefully diligently meticulously by the father in heaven so that he will reward you and not to shame you did you know in the last year of judgment this is what paul says in first corinthians 4:5 when the record books are open the lord is going to bring out the secret matters of the heart and then you will receive praise what you've done in secret one day will be shown to the entire universe and then your praise will be there so don't bypass your living don't let go of what god wants to do in your living what you do in your life the way you speak the way you act the way you pray the way you know you you know is is it charles spurgeon who said character is what you do in the dark it's behind the veil your character is formed it's behind those places that god will check you god will discipline you john chapter 15 the words that we heard last sunday it is that place the pruning happens is that place god checks you the divine blade goes and and so that you will be formed living is costly that's the place god wants to take us behind the veil The last thing that happened to Jesus was they crucified him. Somewhere in the timeline of the story of God, God wanted him to be kept behind the veil in a tomb. A tomb is like a veil. It was so easy for Jesus to be crucified on the cross and right on the same cross magically cause a spellbound activity. and come alive right on the cross but it was not so it pleased the lord that the body would be taken down and placed it in the tomb behind the veil i would like to speak a little bit on the tomb you see tomb is a place some sometimes we disregard tomb and say you know 
what's going to happen in the tomb. I tell you, things begin to form. Life begins to come in the tomb and the womb. Watch this. Jesus did not come out and raise. No. Life entered the tomb. The power entered the tomb. It's in the tomb that he, he left behind what Mary gave him, that humanity. He left behind the veil called the flesh and then he came out from the tomb. Wait in the tomb till the miracle happens. Lazarus listened to the word in the tomb. It's in the tomb there's an encounter. It's behind the veil. There's something that happens. Lazarus was not brought out of the tomb and then he rose again. No, in the tomb. In the deadness of the cell, in the dryness of who you are, right behind the stone, when everything is covered, power of God entered in. This is a powerful mystery that we need to take time to understand. Right when you come to the point of death is where the exchange of life begins. It's the Christian mystery. Call it the Christian mystery. When you are crucified with Christ is when the power and the grace of life enters in. It's when you are completely weak in your weakness, his sufficiency of grace begins to germinate and come alive. No wonder for me to live is Christ and to die is gain because in the moment of death, there is an exchange of life. No wonder Christian funerals are so different. There is blessedness in Christian death. Yes, many people have died over, over this one year and especially the last two, three months. Hundreds of our believers died. But you see, the mystery of death is the beginning of life. The tomb of Jesus is just not a place. But that behind the veil, something began to come supernaturally. Look at this verse that is there right now. That tomb that you see is a cross section of pretty much the tombs that were built 2,000 years ago. Mark chapter 16, verse 5. When they entered the tomb, they saw two They saw two young men. In fact, John says two, but Mark quotes one. A young man dressed in white robe, sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Can you see the gospel in the tomb? Can you see an angel in the tomb? Can you see that someone supernaturally was sitting at the head and at the feet of Jesus Christ? Now here you have only one at the right side. Verse 6, but he said to them, look, look at the gospel according to the tomb or from the tomb. The tomb says, do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they put him. Right in the tomb, there was assurance. Do not be afraid. The same God who said, do not be afraid in many, many circumstances, right in the tomb, there was a good news. The old is gone. The new has come behind the veil. God begins to do something supernatural. Don't buy behind the veil. Your death situation, God will speak something. Your dead womb, your dead body, your dead... Look at, look at that 37th chapter of Ezekiel. The dead and dry bones. That's where God will touch. 
This man was living in the tombs in Mark chapter 5. The man of gatherings. When they want to come, Jesus came for one man, for one encounter. He came just to release one word for the man in the tombs. He was insane. There was no sanity in him. He could not have, an, have a family. He couldn't engage with people. He lost his destiny. But yet the master would come and breathe life in the tombs of a man. And he would go around in Decapolis region as a missionary and say, you know what? I was in the tombs when God touched me. I was behind the veil, disconnected, dysfunctional, but I had an encounter behind the veil. The encounter begins behind the veil. Stay on. Stay on. On the third day he came alive, but the moment they kept him in the tomb, in the timeline of God, encounter began. Let me go down to this scripture here. Probably a little rare one from, from the book of Isaiah. Let me read it in NLT. But those who die in the Lord will live. Their bodies will raise again. Their bodies will raise again. Those who sleep in the earth will rise up to sing. Look at this line. For your life-giving light will fall like dew on your people in the place of the dead. You come to the point of death. That's when life germinates. That is Pauline theology there. When you are you're crucified with Christ, when you agree and you believe that you die in Jesus, buried with Jesus, you rise with you. That's where life begins to kick there. No wonder those days they used to tell us in the youth camps. Youth camps are a place where you conduct your own funeral. Every time you come to the altar call, it's like your own funeral. Your flesh, your carnality, your ego, your lust is crucified, dead and buried. And the moment you come out of that altar call and you come out from that place, you come with the life. What happens? Your robe, your flesh, your old nature, behind the veil, you just discard it and embrace what God has given you. Look at what Paul says. Or the writer of Hebrews. After Jesus finished his work, I wish it was written that Jesus went on 500 chariots and he took on a victory march around Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the news about him spread everywhere. That the king of the Jews and king of kings has arrived. Spiritually speaking the right of Hebrews says Jesus took his own blood. And went behind the veil to the father. Therefore brothers and sisters Hebrews 10 19. Since we have confidence to enter. Enter the holy place. Enter the holy place. That which was veiled for centuries and generations. The man who was veiled in the flesh tore his flesh so that his deity was revealed in the work of the cross and he, by rending his veil, made a way for us. Verse 20, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil. That is through his flesh. And since we have this great high priest over the house of God, let us, can I rewrite that a little bit for us? Let us go behind the veil. 
This is the heart of God. God lives in the secret place. I wish the verse was, and Jesus rent the veil and God came out of the veil so that he will give a public darshan to everybody. No. The calling is to go behind the veil. We follow the footprints of Jesus to be with our master behind the veil. I want to ask a question to all of us. Have you been behind the veil? Have you seen him in all his glory? Have you been having an encounter like Isaiah totally undone? Have you beheld him in all his fullness? Have you been shattered and staggered by the truth that comes out? Have you heard him in his inner chamber? Have you enjoyed him? And have you been delighting in him to say, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may go behind the veil to enjoy the beauty of the Lord, to be enamored by his glory and to be mastered by his presence. Oh God, take me behind the veil. In the age where being known where the likes, popularity, TRP rating, getting all things online and the show is happening. It takes effort, commitment, dedication to savor and love God behind the veil. And Jesus is a forerunner for that. He went through the curtain and he's calling you and me. To encounter God behind the veil. When Jesus taught us to pray. Look at this verse please. You can't doubt Jesus after 30 years of being behind the veil. He has tasted the father. Right from eternity and now in humanity, he's clocked 30 years to be in the Father's house. And this is what he says concerning prayer. And when you pray, he, he knew the temptation is to be like hypocrites. Hypocrites in Greek means actors. Actors are those who have dual nature. They can be two things at the same time. And if you remember the the talk on Arum in Genesis chapter 3. Serpent is a deceiver because he can be two things at the same time. And Jesus said, when it comes to prayer, there should be a holy hate towards being a hypocrite. He says, don't be like that. Look at, look at what the hypocrites do. The hypocrites, they love Standing, look at these three as standing, synagogue, street, to be seen. Completely opposite of being behind the veil. They want to be outside the veil. Standing in the places of prominence. Synagogue, you have those 72, you have all the dignitaries there. And you want, you want to be there so that people can, in street corners. Why? To be seen by people. Seen by people. I don't want to be behind the veil. Forget about this Christian life. Forget about, I, I, when is my name going to be called out? When am I going to get promotions? When am I going to get this and that? When am I, when am I endowed by all these things? But when it comes to prayer, Jesus said, learn to pray. And he's, he's telling us a different way and different place 
the locusts truly i tell you they have received their reward is nothing to do with the father but when you pray go to your room i wonder why he didn't say palace i wonder why he didn't say lavish bedroom he says room compared to the temple of all the chambers he says room and he says close the door get behind the veil search him in the secret place and when you pray pray to your father let the father be the focus not these places not the synagogue not the street corner let the father consume you and father is an expert to see the unseen behind the veil the father who's in the secret he sees the unseen what is unseen unseen things are things behind the veil again then your father who sees what is done in secret reward you openly there's some moments we got to learn to be behind the veil he defines when you will rise he knows how to lift people up he knows how to put princes down and bring people to a knot learn christian life mostly is a life that we enjoy behind the veil let's not be carried away by things that are happening today even in christendom that attracts large amount of publicity can i tell you something about the definition of pride pride is insatiable hunger for success and success which the world defines If you want to see a man full of pride pride begins with self exhibition if a man excessively talks about himself or herself that's that's how you see pride it's very easy to see pride it's not a big big thing and every time god wanted to take somebody if you want to be on the favorite list of god if you want to be someone say i'm hungry for you god says forget the people cut off from the civilian affairs Come on come on come behind the veil I want to meet with you right in the middle of the year that's the place of fruitfulness that's the place of faithfulness that's the place that you have an exchange and God aligns you so that the kingdom will come through you May we be the highest expression of God on the earth let him take all our avenues so that he will be manifest in and through our life for that to happen get behind the veil I'll go to the second story for this morning. Can somebody guess this character? I'll just switch off the speaker here. Anybody? Yes. glad to see some chat boxes going on thank you thank you it is david long before long before david could become the king god had already chosen him 
And I want to show you that verse there. Long before David would come and, and do all his exploits for the Lord and for his people, God had in mind, but he had to wait. Let's go down here to, to these verses. But your kingdom, this is, this is Samuel to Saul. David is not even in the picture. Probably David was a baby or probably even David was not born when this was, this was happening. But now your kingdom will not end. For the Lord has sought a man. Lord has sought. Lord has sought. Did you know that God has got an advertisement where he says, I'm hiring? Did you know that God's eyes are ranging to find, as if, as if in the 7 billion people, God is not having people? As I said some time ago, the prophetic utterances that come over your life needs a lodging place. Every Sunday when you share a message from God, God is waiting to see if your heart can lodge His word. The word that remains there will bear fruit. We can clap hands. We can say we heard a good message. We can have everything going well. And we can give all the tick marks and get onto the template and give good ratings. But God is not bothered about ratings. He's bothered when he's, whether his word will take root. Not ratings there. The Lord has sought a man after his heart. It is like God took out his heart and started comparing with his with, with human heart and say, which is the heart that matches mine? Which is the heart that beats like mine? For the Lord has already appointed him. Watch this. In the realm of the spirit, it was done. But it takes certain things in the realm of the natural to see the accomplishment. There are certain things about your life God has spoken. I pray that you will not hit the grave till you see what is spoken about you accomplished. And David's life gives us a secret to see things that God has said about us that will be accomplished. I want to tell our church, we have a lot of professionals here. You were not born to, to spend all your cream of your strength over a company there is a higher calling for you thank god for your work thank god for the job thank god for, for the salaries that you get thank god for god that that gives your hand to produce wealth but there's a higher calling you are a representative an ambassador of the kingdom of god be fearless you are the light there we as pastors, we are sent off by the security guards right at the gate. But you've got the gate pass to get inside and to declare the kingdom of God. God has appointed you not to just be a money-making machine. Thank God for all the goodies that you enjoy the earth. But have you not known that he has chosen you with the kingdom purposes? David was already appointed as a leader of the people. And God speaks on the face to Saul and says, hey Saul. I'm sorry to say I've sought a man and I wanted a man who will align to my purposes. Look at Acts 13.22. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God, testi God, testi God testified concerning David. I have found a man. I have found Jesse, the, uh, David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. He will listen to me. 
He will, he will gather my impulses. He will feel what I feel. He will move when I tell him to move. He will not come and put up his list. He will be waiting so that he will be enlisted to my will and accomplish what I purpose in him. That's the kind of person God is looking for. We know this. We've learned this from Sunday school. But yet to get that heart aligned is to be at a place behind the veil. That's where things begin to happen. I have found David, son of Jesse. God knew him. God knew his father's name. God knew, knew his lineage. But God said, I want a man. Can I tell you, even in 2021, God is looking for a man. Could it be you? God is looking for a child. God is looking for the next generation. God is still looking. And I pray that today will be yet another day that you will host God's word in your heart and say, God, be it unto me as you planned. Lord, I don't want to get locked up in my boat with my nets. If you say, follow me, I want to be hearing your voice. Lord, it's too much that I go with my zeal. If you want to flash your lightning over me and topple me down like Saul on the road to Damascus, so be it, Lord. I want your agenda in my life. Lord, be it so if you banish me in the island of Patmos, I want to see your glory in your fullness. Make me a man of your destiny. Make me a woman of your destiny. Is there anybody today who wants to say that line? For you have been appointed by God. Do not revoke his calling. I want to take us to the scene where David is anointed. Should I say coronated? Samuel is with a horn of oil. David has around eight brothers. Oh my, let me go down. I need to keep uh, eight brothers. Samuel says, the Lord is going to choose one of them today. Consecrate. The elders are there. The whole town is there. All the people have gathered. Can I use our 2021 language? All the lights, the cameras, the television crew, everyone, all the lenses are focused on Jesse's house. The seven sons are consecrated. Everyone wearing new clothes. Put on the Armani perfume. Flexed all the muscles they could, biceps and triceps. Most of them were recruited in Saul's army. So they were valiant men. Men of stature and very goodly in their appearance. And the time came when all were waiting. Who's going to be there? Probably there was a running commentary, I don't know, in the Jewish Times or Jewish TV channel. And everyone are waiting. Who's going to be the person? Who's going to be the person? And let's get into the scene. When they arrived, Samuel saw, Samuel saw with his natural eye, you saw Eliab and thought. You see the connection between seeing and thinking? You got to beware what you see because it alters your thought. Surely, oh my goodness, emphatically, surely, 100% surely, this is the prophet of God, by the way, surely, but he's making his judgment with his naked eye. Surely, the Lord's anointed 
stands before the Lord. My goodness. Surely 100% I finish my job. This anointing oil is going to be tilted over his forehead or his head. And I'm going to anoint him. He's going to be the next king. Because the Lord said, go there and I will show you. I will indicate you the person I've chosen. If you have your Bibles, keep that First Samuel chapter 16 with you. Surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, but the Lord, the Lord intercepts and says, my dear prophet, you did not see properly. Do not consider his appearance. This has been the malady of mankind from the downfall. We make heavenly calculations with our naked eye. And naked eye is so frail and myopic to catch the traps of the enemy. Naked eye cannot see the hidden traps of the enemy. We need the vision of the law. No wonder Jehoshaphat said, yes, you have 400 prophets who are in one chorus trying to prophesy, but I know you get me a real one who can listen and see what the Lord is telling. Samuel made a blunder here. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Can you see that? Samuel says anointed, but the Lord says rejected. Look at the vast difference. Sometimes we look at things and say the boy is good, the girl is good, the job is good, the offer is good, the relationship is good, that WhatsApp message is good, that TV channel is good, that program is good. But sorry, have you cross-checked it with the vision of God? Have you cross-checked it with the word of God? When the Lord says rejected, fold your hands and walk away. When the Lord says some associations are not good for you, don't argue like Balaam. At the end, he was killed by his own people. When the Lord has said no over to some awful lettuce, it is done and dusted. Walk away from it. Do not wait in some situations till it sabotages you. Walk away when God says anointed or rejected, leave it off. The Lord says, this is the line I like. The Lord says, The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. But God looks at things behind the veil. Look at, look at, look at the time the word look comes. One, two, three, four. The Lord looks, the Lord looks, the Lord looks. God is longing to look at somebody and he looks things here. Your heart is behind the veil. Thank God our hearts are not exposed to everybody. If it were so, we stand condemned every day. Samuel is trying to anoint the next king for the next 40 years. is dependent on what's going to happen in this room. On this day, you're going to anoint one young man and he's going to re redefine a generation. So it's going to be very vital. And it's very vital, Samuel, on how you look at things. I don't look at the way you look at. I don't look at external appearances. I don't go by the ratings of man or the world. My ratings are different and my choices are different. 
The way, the way I sense things are different. Samuel, have you not known me? It was like probably a hit on the head for Samuel. And Samuel says, I know, Lord. Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest. But where is he? <laughs> the Lord uses the word but. And the father also uses the word but. But, but you know what? He's not, he's not for this, this, this meeting. He's tending the sheep. Where is he? Behind the whale. Where is he? Nobody knows. He went in the morning. My goodness, this is one of the most important days in the family and you don't have him? How come you, you put away the youngest one? There are many stories surrounding this season of, of, of David. Was he born out of wedlock? Did the father have another mistress? And no wonder he says sometimes in Psalm 51, in sin my mother conceived me. Was there something that, that, that the resource inappropriate that the byproduct was David and David's brother hated him? Was he, was he illegitimate child? There are so many theories around that. But one thing we know that David was not preferred that day. Was there something about David and in the presence of David that was exposed the father? That father packed him in the morning and said, you go away with your, with your sheep. Don't be in this place because every time I look at you, my past is triggered and I don't want you to be in the house. I don't know. But one thing I know here is the way the Lord has been looking at David is much prior to the lenses that were focusing on the house of Jesse. Long before the people came, the men came, the seven sons came and lined up. The Lord was looking at the place where no one was looking. David that day was behind the veil. Nobody cared about him. Nobody wanted him. No one thought that he would be touched with an anointing of oil. No one thought that that day would commence the day of his anointing and preparation. And I want to tell you for those who are listening to me today. No matter what condition of, of your life you are in. And if you're sitting there and telling who is looking at me, who will take care of me, what's happening to my health, what's happening to my marriage, what about my money, what about my job, is there anybody who cares about me and looks at me? I want to tell you, in the name of Jesus, there's someone who looks beyond the earthly visions right to the place where you are. You might be alone with those sheep bleating. But David was behind the veil. Where was he? In the secret place. Alone with a liar. Ministering to the audience of one. And telling, oh God. You are my sufficiency. Oh God. I depend on you. Oh God. You are my all. I love you Lord. My strength and my song. You have become my fortitude. My stronghold. And he would go ahead and minister to God. Where? Behind the veil. Away from all the halabula and the noises of, of all that you hear. He was alone behind the veil. You see the man that God chooses to be the next king. And so have a prefix before the son. And say son of David. If Amazing Grace AG Church should produce the next season of kingdom workers, it begins with those who can go behind the veil. If, if the calling of Amazing Grace AG Church is to take 
men and women and station them behind the veil for a season of a decade or two or three. So be it. But it is that place, that is the school of God that produces giants like David. If only we knew the value of stationing ourselves behind the veil. Joshua comes to my mind when there was a camp outside the tent of Israel. Moses would go and station there behind the veil and talk with God face to face. Joshua would not leave the tent waiting for a voice supposedly that would come from inside. He was waiting, relishing, probably will I get a glimpse of God who is behind the veil. I challenge us. We have seen many things in this world. Technology has opened our eyes to some of the things that we've never even traveled for. But I'm telling you in the eyes of the spirit, in your heart that is in the secret place, search him behind the veil. Cut off certain things. Disconnect from things that are, doesn't even have any purpose. There are so many things that's grabbing your time. Disconnect. 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 Jesus entered with his own blood. Look at the preciousness of the price that he paid for you and me to go station ourselves behind the veil. Rise and anoint. He's the one. In closing, let me, I've got another point, probably we'll pick it up next time, but, but in closing, can I share this? I thought, right after this episode, probably David was around 17, 18. Right after the anointing, our human tendency is to think that he climbed the ladder of success and became the king. He overthrew Saul. He had a brains to conspire and somehow form a coup and overthrow the government and the kingdom of Saul. No, he didn't do. You know what happened after the anointing? Watch this carefully. Right after this service, the anointing service, David went back to take care of the sheep. He went back behind the veil. For the next 12 years, he was behind the veil. For the next 12 years, he was unseen, not much heard of. Till at age 30, God said, your time has come. Before he could climb up and be coronated and anointed at Hebron. 2 Samuel chapter 30, it is Ziklag. Everything is burnt down. His family is captured and taken. The whole town is burnt in and all the men are against David rallying. Right in the lowest point of his life, God says your time has come to come out of the veil and sit on the throne. It's in behind the veil in the secret place he learned how to fight the lion and the bear. It's what lessons you learn behind the veil is what is going to help you when you come up and come outside. The lessons of warfare, the lessons of intercession, the lessons in wisdom and discernment, the lessons that you're going to learn behind the veil are the ones that are going to propel you 
to be the next king. I'm closing with this slide. In keeping with the theme of our church, or the verse for this year, the sea is behind the veil of the soil on top. It's in the secret place that the seed will undergo death. <clears throat> and in dying, the seed will take root. It's right behind the veil that so much of transference and transformation that happens that one day the seed will bud and blossom. I want us to hold on to this strange verse. Probably sometimes it takes effort for us to uncover and unravel the mystery of this word. In the days to come, we will take root behind the veil. In the days to come, the process begins behind the veil, taking root. It's a mystery, taking root. And then you will bud and blossom. Don't get carried away with, when am I going to bud? When am I going to blossom? When, Lord, is my blessing? Learn to take root. And that's when things will change. Let's hear the voice of God this morning. To go behind the veil. Let me close our eyes.